0: All right, Meadow Ranch, how we doing? Oh, yeah. Harrison, this is the perfect height. Thank you so much, man. All right, so, man, I'm going to start by just saying that this is a crazy, awesome privilege for me to be here with you guys, all right? So I'll go ahead and start with a little bit about me. I grew up in the amazing town of Lodi, California. Anybody ever heard of Lodi before? All right. There you go. All right. So I grew up in Lodi. I came to Hume Lake for the first time in third grade, which was a long time ago, And I came to camp every single summer and I loved it. It was the thing that I was so pumped up to do every single year. And I came up here and I participated in all the games and I went crazy and I drank a bunch of Dr. Peppers and I dove into the lake, which you're not supposed to do, by the way. And I didn't take full advantage of what camp was truly about because I came up here as a distracted kid for years and years and years. And I learned things about Jesus, but I never ever surrendered to Jesus. I knew a whole bunch of stuff about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. And when I was telling my friends back home, by the way, now I live in a town called Queen Creek, Arizona. I'm a campus pastor for a church called Sun Valley in Gilbert, uh, which is a lot of fun. It's wild. My family's been out there for a year and a half. And when I was telling my friends, hey, I'm going to go to this camp and I'm going to talk to a room full of junior hires, and they all looked at me and went, are you nuts? And I said, no, I'm not nuts. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to tell them all about Jesus. They're going to fall in love with their Savior. It is going to be a fantastic week. And they're like, but they're junior hires. Is the theme simple? And I said, no, it's incredibly complicated. And they said, what? How how are you going to create an environment where you're you're going to share a complicated truth with junior hires? And I said, because... God's word is powerful, and junior hires are capable of understanding it, not just for knowledge base, but they're gonna take it from their mind and it's gonna transform their heart as the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit does. And that's why I'm traveling all the way from Arizona to come here and share with you guys about a God who not only created you, but he sustains you and he loves you more than you could ever know on this side of eternity. And so we're gonna do something right now, guys. Look, I'm a big locker room dude. I played every sport under the sun and I love every sport under the sun. And so we're going to do something at the beginning of every chapel session together. We're going to put our hands in. And this is a statement that says, hey, we're in on whatever God has for us this session. You guys cool with that? All right, sweet. So everybody stay in your seats, but put your hands in real quick. And on the count of three, we're going to start off this week and we're going to say, let's go. All right, let's go on three, ready, one, two, three, let's go. All right, sweet. So let me introduce you to my family, all right. All right, cool, hey, rowdy boys down in front. I love you guys already but be quiet. All right, so check it out. This is my family right here. All right, so that, that big ugly bald dude, that's me, all right. So. The one right next to me is the lady that is far better than I deserve in this world. Her name is Shayna, and she is amazing. And so, Shayna is my wife. We actually met here on staff at Hume Lake Christian Camps. We have been married for 13 years. All right. That, yeah, you can applaud that. That's awesome. Somebody actually put up with me for 13 years. All right, so. That that big lanky kid right there, that's Gunner. He's 10 years old, all right? So some of you are like, what? Yeah. And the picture, he's not standing on a box or nothing. He's like 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, he's got a six-foot wingspan, all right? So that's my 10-year-old. He's bigger than most of you, all right? And then the little nugget right there, that guy is Cannon. Cannon with a K. He is appropriately named. And at any point in time, some of you all saw him Dancing back there in the back, at any point in time, there could be a loud bang and then a hole in the side of the building. And Noah a gun didn't go off. Cannon just moved. All right, so he—he is our Jack Jack. If you've ever seen Incredibles, um, (laughs) he—that's Cannon. All right, so that's my family. They are epically awesome, and we are so excited to hang out with you guys this week. Why? Because we know, we trust, and we believe that life change happens at. camp. I want to start our time together and let you know that I serve a God, as Harrison talked about it, a God of absolutes, and I trust that every single person in this room is not here by accident, but here on purpose for a purpose. Some of you guys Begged your parents to come to camp. Some of you guys went out and sold things to make your way to camp. I know that life. I sold Tupperware door to door every year to earn my way to camp. Some of you guys are like, "What's Tupperware exactly?" You don't need to know. All right. Some of you guys, some of you guys didn't want to go to camp, but your mom or your dad or your auntie or your uncle or your grandparents said, "No, no, no." You're going, and they signed you up, and you didn't even know what Hume Lake was. And some of you guys, and these are my favorite stories, by the way, so if this is you, please come and tell it to me, all right? Some of you guys woke up this morning, and you were on a waiting list, but then all of a sudden somebody, let's just call him Billy Bob, Billy Bob woke up, and Billy Bob couldn't go to camp because Billy Bob was sick, and you happened to be on the waiting list, so your desperate youth leader, You know, started going down the waiting list, calling everybody. Hey, you want to go to camp? No, you can't? Okay. You want to go to camp? No, you can't? Okay. And then they get to you. And your parents go, uh, I guess. What time do we have to have them there? Uh, 15 minutes ago. Okay. Uh, And they just pack a bunch of socks and throw some money at you and hope everything turns out okay. And you're here. And I love those stories. You got one of those? I want to hear it. All right. So I want to start by saying you are here on purpose and for a purpose. And this week we are going to dive in. We are going to jump into God's word and we're going to help unfold what God has for each and every one of you this week. All right. So, if you have your Bible, let's pull that thing out. If you have your Bible, we're going to we're going to start off easy. We're going to start off easy cuz all I need you to do is go to Genesis chapter 1. All right? Start off super easy. Genesis is right there at the beginning of the Bible. So, Genesis chapter 1 is where we're going to start, so go ahead and turn yourself to that. All right? If you don't have your Bible, we do have uh, some stuff that will pop on the screen here and there. But if you don't have your Bible, follow along as best you can. Take notes, all that good stuff. All right? So here we go. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says this, guys. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In this One verse right here, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, that word created. Look, science would like to tell us that a whole bunch of stuff came from nothing, that somehow there was a whole bunch of nothing, and then from nothing, something came to be. And I don't know about you guys, but when I hear a statement like that, that makes me scratch my head. I don't have enough faith to believe in that. But what I do have enough faith to believe in is in the beginning, God, an infinite, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-creative God created the heavens and the earth. I brought something with me. This uh, was in my little snack basket that Hume Lake hooked me up with. Thank you, by the way. Uh, This right here is a granola bar. And this granola bar has a history as to how it came to be and a history as to how it came to be here in my hand, all right? It, was, it started as just a wee little granola bar. No, I'm just kidding. It started as ingredients, right? It started as granola, which is somewhat healthy, and then we, because we are sinful, broken humans apart from the grace of God, we took what was healthy and we made it unhealthy, right? It started as granola, and then all of a sudden we took sugar with it. I'm going to just read some of the ingredients. Oh, Puffed mellow, okay, so we got some puffed marshmallow. We got corn syrup, which every snack needs that. We have canola oil. We have molasses. We have, uh, let's see, fructose, sugar, uh, glycerin. I don't even know what that is. That sounds bad for you though. Ooh, coconut. Sweet. So if you're allergic to coconut, you can, I have this wheat flakes. That sounds healthy. All right. So it's got a whole bunch. And then we take, we take these lovely little nuggets of chocolate and we toss it all in there because fact is we don't really like the taste of granola. So we got to doctor that up a bit, right? Then this thing goes down a conveyor belt and then it gets placed in this package, which is beautiful, and it's got a logo on it. This is Kirkland brand, right? It goes down that conveyor belt, and then it lands in a box. The box gets sealed, it goes down another conveyor belt, it lands in a truck. The truck takes it places, then it takes it to another place, then it takes it to another place, and let's face it, we bought this off of Amazon or Costco, one of the two, and it made its way up here, which is a really windy road, as you guys experienced today, and somehow ended up in my snack basket, right? It has a history, right? How many of you guys like granola bars? Okay, you right there, you're my favorite. Okay, there we go. So, what? I like you guys too, okay, but not as much as that guy. Okay, so here we go. That thing, that thing was created from ingredients. When I like to make pancakes for my kids, I make them from ingredients. I don't think about pancakes and then go like this, pancakes. And then they show up. That would be really cool, but that's not what happens in my house. But with God, lean into this guys, lean in. With God, it says that God in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. See, there was nothing, but then the awesomeness and wholeness of God said exist and it did. Let's look at one and two. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So you've got God who created, and what he created appears to be some sort of blank canvas. Now, let me, let me get that image on the screen of the state of California. Let me, let me get that on there. Look at that. Okay, so I don't know if you guys still do this project, but I am not super good at creating things. I'll go ahead and say that. My wife's the creative type. I do not create much. But this is not my exact project. I got this off Pinterest. But this right here was something I did in fifth grade. And I was given the ingredients. And the ingredients were just some clay and a board. And the assignment was to create the state of California. And they wanted us to put the mountain ranges in there. And they wanted us to put different colors for how close to sea level or how high above sea level we were. And I went all in. Because I love maps. Anybody love maps? Oh, sweet. I'm dyslexic, so i got to love maps because I can't read books. All right? So, hang on. But look. So I went, I went all in and I made this thing beautiful and I was super careful with all the mountains because I wanted everything in, our, in the great state of California to be represented. I put in effort thought, time, and care into what I was making. God painted his masterpiece with the fullness of his supreme knowledge and creativity. And that, that same God, with that same masterful creativity, not only created everything that we've seen around here, but he created you and me. And with that same knowledge and creativity, he spoke into you purpose, reason for existence, You are no accident, and because you are no accident, you have purpose in who God is and who he made you to be. Let's keep going. Genesis 1, here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light. See, this one's tricky right here. In the first three verses of the Bible, you see our God, the Holy Trinity. We have a God who exists as one God, but in three persons. And that one was really hard for me. This is one of those things that I was telling my friends about, and they're like, you're going to try and explain that to junior hires? And I'm like, absolutely, junior hires are smart, guys. See, here's the thing. When I used to think, some of you are like, "Um, he's never met me before. I'm sorry. You guys are smarter than you give yourself credit for. Check it out. How many of you guys know addition? Okay, cool. So when I was sitting in your seat and people would tell me, we have a God who is God, but he exists in three persons. I used to think multiplication, right? I used to think that God, okay, three times three equals nine. No, that can't be three. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna pray for you. All right, here we go. <laughs> and, then, and then here's what I would do. Then all of a sudden I started to think addition. Right? Oh, okay, so we have, we have one God who exists in three persons. Okay, so one plus one plus one equals how many? Three. No, that's not right. See? Because we have one God. One God who exists in three persons. So I was right in my initial thought of multiplication. I just got my numbers wrong. This is the correct, this is the correct equation. Ready? One times one times one equals one, exactly. So you've got three unique gods, but you've got one God. So you've got one God who exists in three persons, and in the first three verses of Genesis, all three of them exist. So you've got this. Check it out. Verse 1, you've got God the Father. He creates, right? Then you've got the Spirit of God. It says in verse 2 that it's hovering over the water, showing that it's, it's got loving care for the creation. Now, how many of you guys, how many of you guys, have a helicopter parent at home. You don't know what that means? Let me explain it to you. Let me explain it to you. I'll explain to you a helicopter parent real quick. I know because I am one, all right? So when Cannon Cannon was two years old, when Cannon was two years old, I took him on a trip, just me, right? When Cannon was two years old, I took him on a trip, just me. It was the first time that Cannon went anywhere alone with daddy. And my wife Shay said, you better take care of that boy. And I said, you got it. And so I took it as a personal mission to make sure that my boy was safe, right? And so everywhere Cannon went, Daddy went, right? Whenever we cross the street, I always reach down. He holds my little finger. Why? Because I care about my boy, I love watching my boy interact with people. He's super social like I am. And whenever I take him anywhere, he's always just walking the aisles, especially when he was a baby and he was all cute, or cute cute, and chubby. I combined two words, right? He was all cute and chubby, and he would walk down the aisles of places, and he'd go, hi, with his little dimple knuckles. Oh, man, he was so cute. And he'd just, hi. He had never met a stranger in his life. And where was dad? Dad was right behind him because if anything happens to that boy... I don't know if I could forgive myself. The Spirit was hovering over the water showing its care for this new creation. Verse three, it says, God said, he spoke, he used words. Let there be light, and there was light. Right there we see Jesus on the scene. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the first three verses, you see all three members of the Trinity In those verses, God exists in three unique persons, one God Almighty. God creates things, and then he fills them, and when he fills them, he calls them good. In verse 126, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And then we come on the scene, and what do we do? We screwed it up, right? God places us in the garden. It's beautiful. He creates us for this beautiful relationship in this beautiful environment. And he, because he's God and his infinite wisdom, he picks out a tree and he says, hey, don't eat from that tree. And then the enemy approaches and says, hey, did God really say, don't eat it or you will die? And then all of a sudden the seed of doubt is planted. And then that tree that God picked out, all of a sudden we decide, hey, we want to be cool and we want to do things our own way. Ultimately, our biggest root of sin is we, we desire to be our own ultimate authority. But that position is ultimately meant for, meant for God to begin with. And so we screwed it up and God is the original missionary and he goes throughout the rest of scripture to unfold his plan of redemption for his creation that is now broken. And he's not surprised by the fact that we're broken. And he goes to great Depths to retrieve what was once in perfect relationship with him through the person of his son, Jesus. John 1.14 says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. Don't miss that last little statement. Full of grace and truth. I don't know about you guys, but there are certain characteristics that I possess, but there's still room for improvement. I know that I have a certain amount of, of things or, or abilities um, or, or things that God has created in me, but it's not like they're maxed out. Jesus is defined as someone who is put on flesh from God the Father and he is full, meaning there's not any more space for it. He is full of grace and truth. I know what it's like to be full off of pizza. Anybody ever been there before? You eat enough pizza and there is not any more room for any more pizza to go down, right? In the person of Jesus, in the person of Jesus, did someone say there's, there's room for dessert? Yeah, my, my wife thinks there's a separate column for that. That's the dessert tube. All right. I believe you. In the person of Jesus, there is no more room for any extra grace or truth because he is filled to the brim. Why? Because he is both of those things in his person. In John fourteen six, Jesus says it this way. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He's speaking with authority and he's speaking with absolutes. You and I cannot do that. That's something that I learned early on in marriage that I can't say the words always and never, and actually mean it. Why? Because I'm broken and sinful apart from the grace of God. I am not an absolute being with absolute authority. I am a created being with zero authority when it comes to the things of this world. So I can't use a phrase like always, and I can't use a phrase like never, because I won't possibly measure up to those statements but Jesus said that I am the way the truth and the life and no one catch it no one comes to the father except through me see if I use the phrase never people are going to have the opportunity to call me a liar eventually right if I use the phrase I never eat donuts." I'm a pretty healthy guy. I run a real lot of miles every day. Uh, Everybody, anybody like running? You do? Oh, so here's a little thing about me. I run over 100 miles every month. That's my goal, all right? Sometimes I get up to 150. That's a lot of miles, okay? But if I use the statement, I never eat donuts, you guys would be able to call me a liar. Why? Because there's at least two to three times a month where hanging around my church is a dessert basket or leftovers from some sort of ministry that usually contain donuts. And because I have to walk by that dessert basket or leftovers like four to five times a day on the way to my office to some sort of meeting and that donut is staring me in the face, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to eat it because donuts are good. And no, I never buy myself donuts, but I do eat them. See, I can't use that phrase. But God speaks in absolutes. Why? Because he is an absolute God. And I love the challenge, or I love the statement, sorry, from Pilate towards Jesus. Because it's something that we've all wrestled with, whether we realize it or not, as we walk around this world that's suffering out of the result of sin. And that question is, what is truth? That is haunting at its core. The fact that you have a person who is in authority, looking Jesus face to face, and he goes, what is truth? I know that in my life, especially at your age, I wrestled with what is truth. And a lot of times that question took form about my own life, my own existence, my own reason for being. And it wasn't until I was 19 years old that I actually came to the determination that it's not for me to define what is truth. I don't get to look it up on some web page. I don't get to Google search for it. The thing about it is, guys, you live in an era where the information available doubles like twice a day. That is insanity. No wonder the world we live in wrestles so hard with the question of what is truth. I remember one time I was visiting my buddy Andy down in Southern California and I was hanging out with him and we had just had breakfast and he goes, hey, I gotta go to the community college, I got a math test. And I was like, dude, math is lame. And he goes, yeah, I kind of need this one to graduate. And I said, oh, okay, well, you go do your thing. I'm just going to go longboarding in the parking lot because you know what's not lame? Longboarding. You know what is lame? Math test. And so he went and did his thing. Sorry, it's okay to be good at math. And if there's any teachers in the room, my apologies. But I decided to go longboarding while my friend Andy was doing his math thing. And the particular campus that we were at was extremely hilly. And I thought that sounds like a cool challenge. And so I'm carving on my cool longboard, you know, I'm doing my thing and it's so fun. And then all of a sudden, because I was going downhill it started to go a little fast and if you guys have ever gone a little fast on a skateboard there's this phenomenon that happens and I'm not really sure why I'm sure someone smarter than me does know why but it's called the speed wobbles anybody know what I'm talking about you start to go fast and then all of a sudden it starts wobbling back and forth and as much as you try and control it all it does is make it worse right and so I'm going down this hill, and I'm getting the speed wobbles, and then I come to a T, and I could either choose to go left or I could choose to go right, and I'm not really sure which way is going to continue downhill and which way is going to go uphill and slow me down, but I had to make a choice because otherwise I was just going to slam into the concrete barrier, and that would be embarrassing, and so I choose to go left and left equals more downhill. And so I start to go downhill faster than I care to remember and I start screaming, literally screaming and I got people all around me and I usually don't like to be embarrassed but I'm screaming because that's the only thing that seems right to do in that moment. And then the speed wobbles increase because the downhill increases and what do I do? I go like this and bend down and try and hold onto the board as I'm screaming. Now I'm picking up even more speed because there's less wind resistance, right? And so I'm going faster and faster and faster and I look up and what's in front of me? A speed bump. (laughs) Right? And I'm thinking to myself, this is how I'm going to die, because I don't have a helmet on, and this is really bad, right? And so I grab onto that board, and I'm thinking, Kevin, just like the Super Mario Brothers and the tunnels, just jump over them, right? And so I grab onto the board, and I try and jump, and what happens? No, I fail. The front comes up, the back stays down, and when the back stays down, the wheels hit the speed bump, and the front slams, and I go like this, right? Yo, but I'll tell you what, I played it cool, right, because there was a whole bunch of girls around, or at least in my imagination there was. So I just did this. I just got up there with the board and was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I just walked off into the bushes and cried for a little bit, right? I tell you all that. I tell you all that because what I experienced is gravity. Right? Yay, Gravity. Amen, gravity's a thing, right? But here's here's why I bring it up, here's why I bring it up. I've never seen gravity, I can't understand how gravity works, but I have seen the effects of gravity and I believe that it's real and I believe that it has the authority to keep me on the ground because of that experience, right? We're gonna flip over to Exodus. If you have your Bible and you wanna follow along, go to Exodus chapter three real quick. We're gonna talk about this guy named Moses. Moses had this cool interaction with Jesus or with with God, I guess Jesus too, God, one God, three persons. He had this interaction with God and God was challenging Moses to do something really, really difficult. Something that Moses was like, "Uh uh-uh, you got the wrong guy, you need to find somebody else, right? God appears to Moses in a burning bush but the bush wasn't on fire, it was just bright. And Moses is like, wow, that's a crazy phenomenon. So I'm going to go ahead and see what's going on. God calls out to Moses. Moses says, God, you got the wrong guy. And in fact, he uses the phrase, who am I? Basically saying, there has to be a better choice than me in this world. This is God's response in Exodus 3.14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. The phrase, I am who I am, is a declaration of absolute freedom from a whole bunch of things that we know as human beings. It's a declaration of an absolute freedom from being created. Nobody created God. God has always been and will always be. It's a declaration of freedom from being formed. Nobody created God. No one knit him together in his mother's womb. I am who I am is a declaration of absolute freedom from being guided. No one tells God what to do, where to go, when to lay his life down for his enemies. No one does that. God is his own guiding hand and he'll be yours too if you allow him to be. I am who I say I I am is a declaration of absolute freedom from being swayed. We live in a world where so many people say one thing and do another thing. But we don't have a God that operates like that. We don't have a God that operates in ultimatums either where he says, hey, if you do this, then you'll receive this from me. We don't have a God like that. We have a God that says, hey, if you will... Rid yourself of your old self. I'll give you a brand new one, free of charge. You don't have to do anything to earn it. It's a gift. We have a God who cannot be swayed by popular opinion, no matter how popular it might be. I am who I am as a declaration of absolute freedom from being determined by anything outside of himself, which is really good news because God has almighty, all-authority, character, and he cannot go against it. So if he says he's going to do something, he's going to do something. If he makes you a promise, he's going to make good on that promise. I am who I am states to us that God never had a beginning. Nobody made God. God simply is, always was, with no beginning. The fact is that God will never end. You and I, everything that we ever know has a beginning and has an end. We rush to the movies to see. Uh, the beginning scenes, and then we stay till after the end of the credits to catch the little tiny teaser at the end. That's so annoying that they do that now. God has no beginning and he has no end. In Revelation 22:13, 13, it says this, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. That is how God chooses to define himself. Why? Because that's who he truly is. Everything that is not God depends totally on God. And God doesn't depend on anything but himself. Everything that is not God depends totally on God. And some of you are thinking, I don't depend on God. Really, have you breathed at all today? Then yes, you do. Really, did you wake up this morning? Then yes, you do. The only thing in this life that you are guaranteed is the breath that you are currently taking. Oh, I like that. All right. (laughs) Other than that, everything that you have is a gift from God. We are 100% and totally dependent upon him whether you choose to realize it or not. The other thing about this I am who I am, this God above all gods is he is consistent. He is the same yesterday as he is today, as he will be tomorrow. And our world doesn't know that. They don't know that type of a person because we, for whatever reason, are constantly trying to remake or improve ourselves. But here's the thing about our God is it is impossible for him to be improved. I played a lot of sports. My primary sport was basketball. And the thing, we, uh, you can applaud that. Basketball's good. Yes. Now, when I was in high school, when I was in high school, my coach, my senior year looked at me. I got a brand new coach and he's, he was this big wig coach and he looked at me and he goes, there is no way you're going to play college basketball at the size you are and at the position that you play. So I'm going to teach you something that's really valuable. It's called a hook shot. He said, if you're going to, if you're going to be good in the post, you got to have a hook shot. And if you're going to be good at a hook shot, you got to do it over and over and over and over again. So while all your teammates are having fun down here with these cool shooting drills, you're going to go over there and you're going to shoot 200 hook shots to the right, right in the middle. When you're done with that, You're going to shoot 200 hook shots to the left, right in the middle. Oh, and when you're done with that, you're going to go baseline with the right hand. Oh, and when you're done with that, you're going to go baseline with the left hand. And then when you're done with that, tomorrow you're going to do the same thing. And the next day you're going to do the same thing. And the next day you're going to do the same thing. And why? Because his mentality was practice makes perfect. The thing about our God is he's not becoming anything. There is no development in God, no progress. Absolute perfection cannot be improved upon. That's our God. That's how he's able to be the same yesterday as he is today, as he will be tomorrow. He is the absolute standard of truth, the goodness and beauty. There is no law book that he turns to. He is the law book. He is the giver of rules. Why? Because he has authority. The standard by which he operates is is the standard of all that is right, all that is true, and all that is beautiful. And because he is the standard, all that God does is absolutely right and absolutely just and absolutely beautiful and absolutely in accord with truth that is at the core him himself it's not something that he made up it's not something that he carries to the fullness of his tank it's something that he is in his being and this week I want to introduce you through his word to the fact that he loves you more than you could ever understand that he desires a relationship with you, even though you may not at this point right here in your reality even know what a relationship with him would look, but, look like. I want you to understand this truth and I'm gonna wrap up with this, that no matter who you are or what you've done or what's been done to you, God loves you and desires a relationship with you. And we know that because of the work of redemption through his son, Jesus, yeah. man. Man, this is gonna be a good week, man. I'm excited for you guys. Let me pray, all right, let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, we praise you. You are a good God, you are true, you are just, you are beautiful, and your ways are above our ways. And this week, Lord, may you speak mightily. May we understand your desire for us, your redemptive plan for us. May we put our trust in you. Why? Because that's where it truly belongs. Thank you, God, for your truth. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.